Let's go, bro. Give God glory. Wash, crack a lacking, everybody. Money Smarty Guy Matt Paula here, Halen Tier from Dallas, Texas, broadcasting to you live right here in the colony at the Grandscape. Here with my co-host Milton Alvarez, my personal trainer, my man, and co-host of the Millionaire Goals Podcast. Welcome to another episode here every Wednesday, 12 p.m. Central Standard Time. We are right here for you. A podcast that talks about faith, about fatherhood, finance, fitness, fun, football, all the Fs there, man. But uh, anywho, uh, we have a show today here for you. Uh, a lot of uh, content here we're going to cover. Uh, personal finance uh, topics here. We got people talking about making a million bucks is middle class. Mm. Being a millionaire is middle class, according to this article. The other one here is a NFL free agent is talking about, I'm getting half my money taken away in taxes. We've got the number one thing that destroys relationships. And uh, at the same time, too, the reports here stating that the world will be overweight or obese by 2035 and what we can do about it. And we have a bunch of trending and uh, uh, personal finance videos we're gonna be react reacting to here towards the end of the show. So make sure you stay tuned. So let's jump right into it. Uh, personal finance guru, uh, I think this is Grant Cardone. Grant Cardone said basically being a millionaire um, is middle class. And uh, by the way, we uh, know that there's many different types of millionaires. Mm. And sometimes people say, I'm a millionaire. You know, I got a million dollar company, right? So here, here, let me define what millionaire is to me, what is to us on this show. Being a millionaire is not just having a million, million dollars on paper. It's called net worth millionaire, paper millionaire, because you can't put it in your pocket. Yeah, it's good on paper, it's net worth, it's part of your assets, part of your estate. But in our opinion, the best way to become a millionaire, let me just go, go over it real quick. One way you can be a millionaire, just like this NFL athlete we're going to be talking about here in a second, you can play professional sports, you can be a CEO, you can have a job, and it'll pay you a million bucks. Good luck, you got the right MBA, you're talented, you're highly skilled, highly educated, all this stuff. You can be a hired CEO and become a salaried millionaire. The second way to become a millionaire is what we call fix and flip, or buy low, sell high, or buy, you know, buy a, a baseball card. I remember uh, my mentor, Patrick David, bought uh, uh, Wayne Gretzky's uh, two rookie cards for $500,000. 17 months later, he flipped it for $2.1 million. That's called a capital gains millionaire. You buy something low, you have to sell it at a higher price. Thing there is you constantly have to keep fix, fixing and flipping or buying low and selling high in order to continue to generate a million dollars. The third way is what we call net worth millionaire. You buy a piece of real estate, you have a $2 million piece of property, you have a million dollar loan on paper, your net worth says your equity is a million bucks, you're a paper millionaire. The other way of being a millionaire, you could be, you could be lucky. Married into the right family, marry the right wife, husband, uh, lottery, you could, you could be lucky. Fifth way to become a millionaire, my preferred way to become a millionaire is cash flow millionaire because you decide to take a risk to bend on you, to start a business, to start a service, to start a solution that fixes people's problems, you are now a millionaire cash flow. So Grant Cardone here talks about becoming a millionaire. I mean, Milton, you got a million bucks, okay? You got a million dollar in the bank. How do you feel? Nowadays? Sure. Well, I was reading, I was reading this article that, uh, that uh, they posted um, and he broke, and it says here that he broke down some math to validate his point. If a thirty-year-old with one million dollars 
and zero income spent $4,000 a month, equivalent of $48,000 a year, they will be broke by the time they reach 51 years old. And if, if you see the way the economy is moving nowadays and the way people are spending, emotionally spending, although a million dollars may have seemed very, very attractive when I was in my late teens, early 20s, I think now it's something that if I'm not financially educated, or as you said, educated <laughs> on what, what to do with a million dollars, I would still feel very stuck in my own personal ways. So uh, knowing that I personally will be stuck in my own personal ways and not knowing what to do with it, let me ask you a question, man, especially when it comes down to this specific thing. Mm -hmm. uh, he's saying $1 million is equivalent to basically middle class. Why is it that so many people nowadays, although they're struggling, especially men, the men that are putting their families through this financial struggle by not stepping up to the plate and providing the finances that the family needs, by either by learning a, a, a trade or a skill, learning a new business technique that you can you know, implement into your life so you can create more money for their families. Mm -hmm. why, is it, why is it that so many men are content living at a minimum wage, working one or two jobs, taking time away from their families just so they can barely make it through? Why, why, is, that, why is that a headspace that so many men have pulled into? It's easier to do. It's easier to quit than to innovate. Mm. It's easier to give up and settle than it is to actually grow. I mean, think about how many people you face in a gym. How many people said at the beginning of the year, Milton, I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna have a six pack. I'm gonna fit in this dress or fit, you know, I'm gonna, I want to uh, gain ten pounds of muscle, whatever case may be, whatever their goals are. But we're at the gym on Wednesday because it was March first. What comment did we make to each other about the gym and it being empty? It's getting empty again. It's getting empty again. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. But it's it's harder to <clears throat> grow and innovate. It's easier to settle and quit. And say, you know what, I'm just not going to increase my capacity and let me just settle for this job. It's easier to just work with my hands. It's, it's, easier, it's so much easier to do that. Um, Jordan, let's take a look at this article. Can we go to my screen? So if you're in the middle class, so his example here, Milton, is that of this million dollars, they're going to take $48,000 from this million dollars for the next 21 years. And his argument is, you do that, you're broke by the time you're 50. So if all you did was drain your million dollars for 21 years, living off a middle-class income of $48,000, you're out of money in 21 years, assuming that you didn't invest it, mm -hmm. it was just there in the bank, was earning earning a rate of return. Now, uh, I was on TV uh, in Chicago talking about this FIRE movement, okay? Fi uh, financial independence, retire early. FIRE, that's what the acronym FIRE stands for. Financial independence, retire early. Great concept. Yeah. Great concept when things are going great. Bad concept when things are going bad. So, you know, back to my screen. So when, when, when we're looking at when we're looking at uh, the average income in America, let's say you're single. Average median, average single uh, uh, income in America is around $35,000, $38,000. If you're married, median household income is about $62,000. If the person is single, marries another person that's single, their median household income will be roughly around sixty dollars to $65,000. That's not even enough to buy the average home in America, which is approximately $450,000, $500,000. So if you're earning that type of income, you can't even afford to buy the average home in America. So when you're looking at just being a millionaire on paper or just having a millionaire, million dollars in a bank, you know what? As much as I disagree with this guy on a lot of things, he's actually right about this. He's actually right about just having a million dollars of liquid cash and you're living off that and it's earning no money. You're not doing anything to contribute or add to it. And all you do is drain. Think about this, $40,000. What happens if an emergency comes up? Uh, a parent needs your help. You're, you need to retire your mom and dad. You need to pay their bills. Your kids want to go to private school. You're not, you're not making a lot of money from this million dollars just statically staying in the bank. It's got to earn a rate of return. That's why I said the most important millionaire status that you're, you should be aiming for is just not having a million dollars in the bank. You should be having a cash flow million, a career, a business, 
an endeavor, a service, an ownership of something that brings you in a million dollars a year. And, and mm. take a look at this, Milton. Here's an example. I was making $20,000 a year as a sergeant in the Marines after eight years. Wow. 20 grand. And so I had a choice. I can either be smart and get promoted and retire at 38, 40 years old with a full military pension. That's the smart thing to do. Or I can be wise. Figure out what these guys are doing in Orange County where, where I was stationed. Figure out what these guys are doing to be get, you know, getting rich. Why are these guys uh, riding around in the ocean in yachts? Why are they hanging out in Fashion Island, Newport Beach, and Huntington Beach? I remember going to Balboa Island. I don't know if you guys know where Balboa Island is in Orange County. I went to Balboa Island, and all I can afford to take my, my at that time, my, my, my then wife and uh, uh, son is hot dog on a stick and a pink lemonade. It's all I can afford. I couldn't afford it on the rides. I, I just looked, we looked at, whoa, 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 cool, can't afford to go on it because we're broke. I had 30 bucks, 40 bucks, maybe at most. Spending money, I can really enjoy life. So if you're out there, man, you know, to your point, Milton, if, if people are out there and say, you know what, this $48,000, $50,000 is enough, not enough money, you've got to make a choice. Either you settle and reduce your dreams to match your limitations or you decide to increase your capacity to match the dreams and how big you're thinking. And uh, you have to surround yourself with the right people and make sure you're in this you know, situation where people are around you are poking you and egging you. I mean, we were having uh, cigars with uh, Michael Jordan uh, in his grand opening and, uh, uh, in, in Chicago, in Oak Brook. And Michael Jordan was sitting across the table from Richard Dent, Otis Wilson, 1985 Chicago Bears. You know what Michael Jordan's saying? Mm. Hey, Otis, hey, Rich, what are you guys doing these days? What are you guys doing these days? He's like, Michael's egging him. He's poking him. What are you doing these days? Are you still talking about what you did in 85? Are you still talking about what you Jeez. did in the 80s? Come on, man. What are you doing these days? So he's poking him. And think about this. Michael Jordan makes more money from his, his endorsements and, and ownership in Jordan Corporation that is in, in one year than his entire NBA career playing 13, 14 years in the NBA. So think about what ownership did for him by being a great player, the phases are you become a great player, you're good at this game, but there's no money in just being a player. There's no money in just being an employee. There's ownership in, own, in ownership. The guys that make the most money is not the players that, that play like that Prescott and Justin Fields and all those guys, right? The guys that make the most money is McCaskey's, is Jerry Jones. There's power in ownership. So I mm -hmm. hope and pray that in 2023, many of you are thinking more about ownership than settle than settlership. <laughs> Your thoughts on that? I agree. And again, being around people like you, Matt, and the people that, uh, that I've been networking with in these, la these last two years and a half or so, uh, it's definitely taught me to definitely take a different approach when it comes down to finances and the way I see money. Uh, a couple of years ago, the way I saw money was a, is a, as a means of, of uh, surviving and scarcity. Right now, you just literally spoke on how the average household for a single man or single person was about thirty, thirty-eight thousand dollars a year. Mm -hmm. I just sat down with my CPA yesterday. He scolded me that um, I needed to reduce my spending when he came down to my eating, and he showed me the, the list of my of my spendings. And last year, in, in two thousand twenty-two alone, I spent roughly around thirty-three thousand dollars on just food. But that involves taking clients out to eat, you know, having them down, sitting them down, X, Y, Z. But thirty-three thousand dollars on food—that's anywhere between twenty-five hundred to three thousand dollars a month. Growing up on what, food. What was your mom? What was your mom? What was your parents? What were they spending on groceries to raise you, man? Do you remember? My guy. No. Maybe a hundred bucks to two hundred bucks a month. Maybe at that. And you're spending what twenty-five hundred dollars a month on food? Thirty grand. Yeah. I used to make thirty grand 
about five, six years ago, a year. It's, it's $2,500 a month, bro. That's a lot of money. It's, it's, uh, it's 10 times more than what you were raising. Well, here's the thing, you're in business. It's a write-off. <laughs> but at the same time, too, the rising cost of food, rising cost of eggs, and, yeah. and everything we've been talking about in this podcast for a minute. But uh, you know, everybody loves to go out and eat out. And by the way, that's you being single. That's me being single. You know what? You know what? You know what? Sheena and I spend. We, I have two kids that live at our house. We have other people that live at our house. You know, our parents take care. We're easy seven, eight thousand dollars a month on food. Jesus Christ! Think, think about this real quick. If you want to take care of the people that you love and care about, you're taking care of yourself. You're, you're good. You go yeah. out. You're good. You're not worried about signing a credit card because you decided to take the risk, go in business for yourself, leave your job, take a stab in capitalism, take a stab in entrepreneurship. You create your own deal. Right, and your brand right. is growing. You're demanded all across the country. Yeah. People are trying to fly you out, demanding your services because you decided to take a risk. Correct. Many people aren't willing to take the risk. Remember, I talked about earlier. It's easier not to take a risk because of the risk of failure. But that's the benefit of capitalism. That's the benefit of free enterprise: free to buy, free to sell, free to win. People love the win part. Yeah. But here's the part they don't want: they don't want the failure part. Here's the bottom line: in my entire life as, a, as an entrepreneur for 24 years, I've seen a lot of people come in business. Sadly, I've seen a lot of people quit business. I've never met a winning quitter. I, would, mm. I have, however, met winning failures. I mean, these guys fail at something, guess what they do? They get back up again. There's a clip of Michael Jordan talking to parents. He said, listen, so many parents put their stock in that one shot the kid wants to take, and you don't take a shot because they think they'll fail, they'll miss a shot. You know, Michael Jordan says, hey, I take shots all the time, and I miss, and I lose games. But yeah. guess what? I'm getting back up again, yeah. and I'm perfecting that one shot. Yeah. I'm going to keep taking that shot, until it's automatic for me to continue to overcome failures. And so, um, speaking of athletes, uh, let's go to my screen here. NFL agent, uh, free agent, rather we're in NFL free agency right now. Um, and I know, I know we're Chicago fans, but yeah. uh, from, the, from New York, I hope we get uh, Saquon Barkley, uh, the running back. Man, the, that was- Saw the highlights of that, man? Yeah, that guy was killer in college, wish, man, Penn wish State. Wish had a video, man. Unbelievable. Yeah. He was like squatting like five, six hundred pounds in college. Getting stronger and faster, man. Stronger and faster by the year. He's a, he's a, I, I think he's a, he's a, 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 I hope he doesn't get franchise tagged, but uh, they signed uh, Daniel Jones to a new contract. I think they're tagging uh, Saquon Barkley. Anyway, we're digressing, but you can tell we love football, baby. But NFL free agent Jordan Poyer isn't a fan of states that take half my money. Poyer played in New York, interesting, for the past six seasons, where state income taxes are higher than most. Let's, let's do a breakdown. I think he did a breakdown. Poyer has become one of the best safeties in the NFL during his time with the Buffalo Bills after joining them in 2017. He signed a four-year, $13 million deal and was given a two-year extension in 2021 worth $19.5 million. Okay, so obviously the guy's, the guy's crushing the NFL. He says here, I would love to go to a state that doesn't take half my money because he's a free agent now. Mm -hmm. It's crazy to me how taxes work. Some people will say you're already making X amount of money. Taxes play a big part in all our lives. In New York State, Poyer is in a tax break where he makes between five million to twenty-five annually. He's paying four hundred fifty thousand dollars plus in taxes, and on top of that, another ten point three percent on the amount over five million dollars in taxes. So that's how the progressive tax system works. Though Poyer is living better than most because of the lucrative contract, those numbers do not always add up the way people think may think after paying his taxes. So. Big reason why my wife and I moved here to Texas. You're an entrepreneur. No state I'm taxes. an entrepreneur. No state income tax. Let me just pay to Uncle Sam. What is Uncle Sam's? And no more notable and worthy than that. Let's go back here. Uh, so taxes. 
Uh, remember a couple years ago we had a conference with Sandy Botkin? Uh, lower your taxes big time. By the way, yes. my number one favorite book, recommended book that you should read and have every year because it's updated every year, is the book called Lower Your Taxes Big Time by former IRS attorney, trainer, Sandy Botkin CPA. He's been a guy in, 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 in my short, uh, short calls that uh, if I got questions about taxes and setting my corporations and LLCs and what to deduct, what not to deduct, and how to present that to my, my, my tax, uh, tax professional, he's the guy. So slow your taxes big time. And uh, we just had a, a Ed Slot come to our event too as well. So some of you guys said, well, Matt, I'm not an NFL athlete. Why should I care? Why should I care? Well, guess what? You plan on being broke the entire life? You, you, want, to become, you want to become wealthy? They try and play ad. They try and play ads over. You try and be wealthy one day. Well, guess what? Biden is also in, introducing a new tax. If you're making over four hundred thousand dollars a year, you're getting taxed as well. So there's a lot of legislation that's going on. And, and by the way, this is what Trump wanted to eliminate that tax. So guess what Biden's doing right behind him? He's putting that tax back in. So anybody making over four hundred thousand dollars of income, you're going to get taxed more based on this new uh, uh, tax law that's being incorporated here in the next uh, sixty ninety days. But uh, you're talking to your CPA, you're talking to your accountant. How has taxes affected you? When I first walked into his office, I told him, hey man, I, I, I don't wanna go to jail. Said, what do you mean? <laughs> what, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I've been in business for X amount of time and I've been doing my taxes the way I, I, I think I should be doing it, but I'm scared that I'm making too much money and I don't know how much of it is uh, written out the correct way. So he sat me down, it was maybe about a two hour conversation and the reason I stuck with this guy, because he actually reminds me of my dad, the way he speaks to me. So I'm like, all right, I kind of like this dude. Um, but his biggest thing is, man, you need, to, you need to start budgeting a lot more. Yeah, you make, you know, you make okay money for your age. You're a single guy, you're, you're a bachelor, you don't have any kids. Um, but tax write-offs are going to be the best things for you. Especially the fact that you're, uh, the, biggest, the two biggest expenses for me last year was $25,000 on travel, which was flying out to clients, mm -hmm. and food, food and, food and entertainment. So that's around $55,000 on two things that if I knew how to budget according to him correctly or if I knew how to outsource a couple things, I'd be able to save a lot more money and utilize the money for other things, whether it's uh, getting more IULs or looking mm -hmm. into stocks or even real estate itself. So this year is a year that I'm actually going to apply a lot of the things that I've been learning from you guys and from the CPA that scolded the living hell out of me yesterday. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jordan, let's take a look at this, uh, my screen here. This is a list of individual income tax state, t a state uh, states that have highest state income tax. At the top, highest income tax, California, 12.3. In other words, you're making over a million bucks, they're gonna tax you on top of what the federal government taxes you, another 12.3%. Hawaii, 11%. New York, 10.8, this is where this guy lives. He's in New York, so if you're working in New York and you're an employee, by the way, an NFL athlete and NBA athlete are not independent contractors, they're not entrepreneurs, they're paid uh, they're paid athletes, they're employees. So the first thing off their check, just like any employee that works for Dick's Sporting Goods, that works for Olive Garden, Red Lobster, whoever, the first thing off their paycheck is income tax. First thing, it gets deducted, income taxes. In addition to that, if you're in a state that also in taxes your income, they also take their line item out of your paycheck. So California being the highest, Hawaii, New York, New Jersey, 10.75, Washington, D.C., I'll be there on, on uh, Thursday night, Friday. Washington, D.C. taxes 10.75, the District of Columbia. But here's the crazy part about D.C. No taxation without representation. They don't have a congressman representing D.C., so they're just taking money right off the top. Uh, Oregon, 9.9%. 9 
Income tax, state income tax, Minnesota, 9.875. Vermont, Wisconsin, Maine, Connecticut, Montana, Nebraska. Where's, where's, uh, where's uh, Illinois? Illinois is somewhere here in, in the middle there at 4.95. 4.95. By the way, uh, uh, Governor Prisker, uh, last election was doing, I think he campaigned like $30, $50 million of his own money to campaign a progressive tax system in Illinois. So that governor wants to tax more citizens in Illinois, and already Illinois is probably the second, third largest, highest property uh, taxes in all of America, yet the, government, the governor wants to increase the state income tax too as well. Um, so can I ask you a question, Matt? Yeah. So for the people who don't understand what that means and how it's going to affect them, what are some ways that that will actually affect the so, average uh, household? So flat tax means no matter what you make, percentage right off the top. Mm-hmm. However, the more money you make, the, 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 for example, if you, if you have a progressive tax system, so if you're at 10,000, I'm just using easy numbers. If you make, let's, you're making you know, 100,000 to 200,000, you have another tax between that income. So you got a tax for money that's under 100,000, mm-hmm. but if you're making between 100,000 and 200,000, there's another tax. If you're making money between 500,000, there's another tax. If you're making money between 500 and a million dollars, that's another tax. If you're making money between a million and five million, so now there's, the more money you make, you climb up the income scale, the more, more money is being taken out of your income. That's a progressive tax system. Flat taxes, no matter what you make, we're just taking whoosh, one fell swoop. Knock yourself out. You want to make a million bucks, you want to make 100,000, you want to make 50,000? In, in Illinois, it's 4.95%. California, progressive tax system. Illinois wants to turn into a progressive tax, tax system. system. Okay? So this, this guy here is smart because this guy's John Poyer. He's looking at other states you can play football in because these states have no state income tax. Alaska, well, New Hampshire, the only uh, state income tax is on dividend and interest in, uh, income only. In other words, wealthy people happen to live in New Hampshire mm. because they don't get income tax there. So they can make a lot of money in New Hampshire, don't, don't pay any tax on it, but they get taxed on their investments. So if you've got dividend income and interest-only income, is because you're an investor, okay? And that's New Hampshire. Alaska, there's no state income tax. Florida, Nevada, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Washington, Wyoming, no state income tax. Where are their, where are their football teams? Florida, there's football teams. Nevada, there's football teams. Tennessee, there's football teams. Definitely Texas, there's football teams. Uh, and Washington, there's football teams. So he can, in free agency, say, you know what? If I'm going to sign with another team, I want to opt to play for what? Who's in Florida? Buccaneers, Dolphins, who's in Tennessee? The Titans. Tennessee Titans. Texas, what? You got the Houston Texans and the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys. Washington uh, State, you Redskins. got uh, Seattle, Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, that's right. Washington that's right. State. That's right. that's right. So these are some teams they can go. Big reason why when LeBron went from Ohio to Florida and said, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach, he saved a lot of money in income tax. The reason why we moved down here to Texas too, one of the uh, reasons why we moved to Texas, not, not just one of them, but uh, not just the only one, but one of the details of re- why we're here in Texas is because six figures of income tax we have to pay if we were stayed in Illinois. So what do we do? We took that six figures instead of staying in Illinois. We took that six figures instead of paying into income tax. We put it into landlords. Mm. We put it into new job creation. We put it into raw material acquisition, those, those type of things. So instead of giving it to the government, we gave it to ourselves through our business. And by the way, that's how I feel it should be in America. It's a, I don't like it when another man or entity sticks his hand in my pocket. And that's what taxation is to me, those who I look at. So if I can find a legal way to minimize or eliminate income taxes, I'm going to do it. In, in our own company, you got Gaetans here, you got Vargas's are here, you got Del Toro's are here. Uh, Palaios just moved here. Palaios just moved here, we're here. All the millionaires of our company 
came to Texas. Oh, Only one of them is in Southern California. So Rick and Erica, they're still, they're still there. Pontificating whether or not that state should yeah. <laughs> still be in that state. Because the more money they make there, they got to pay more money in, in taxes. So something to think about when you're making money. The biggest expense many of you will face your entire life. That's why Ed Slott, he came to our event a, a couple weeks ago, America's IRA expert. Because in retirement, let's say you're not an entrepreneur. Let's say you're not making millions of dollars. But still, the biggest enemy you have when you decide to retire, especially if you got money inside pensions, you got money inside 401ks, is Uncle Sam. Taxes, income taxes are going to come your way. So you either reduce or minimize or eliminate it now, or down the road, potentially the income tax may be higher. I get, I get uh, laughed a lot in my, on, on uh, Sam Fear Squad, my YouTube channel, talk about uh, tax could be potentially 50, 60%. Well, this guy right now is an NFL player. Guess what? He's at 53% income tax. If people are acting as if that down the road, tax aren't going to get to 50, 60%. Well, this guy's already getting paid. He's already getting paid as a millionaire, and he's getting whacked at 53% income tax by being an NFL player in the state of New York. In addition to that, people think that when they retire, oh, I'm going to be making less money. I'm not going to do a lot of things. So I'll be making less money, so therefore less of my money is going to be exposed. So even if the tax are higher, less of my money is to be exposed to taxation. Well, that's a nice myth, because you know what I figured out? After 24 years in business, especially in the world of personal finance and retirement planning, people that are retired, guess what happens to them? They go out more, they have more health, uh, health issues, prescription drug, they need more money for housing, quality of life, they spend more money because they're out more. They're doing, they're doing their thing. My, my mother is, uh, she's like at the, at, the, at the retirement committee, she goes, man, she looks at the calendar. Matt, I have an activity to do every day. It's like a cruise ship. That's awesome, man. She's constantly involved. Uh, people have, if you have time on your hand, guess what you want to do? You're not actively making money anymore, which, by the way, I don't think you should ever retire because retirement, what's your picture of retirement? Retirement is what? Sitting on the couch with a remote control the entire life in a hobby? Listen, you spent your entire life being a contributor to society, to your workforce, to your family, to your employer, to, to your community. You're contributing, and now you're retired. You're retired away from you. spent your whole life doing that, and now you're retired. My recommendation, if you want to be retired, have a goal of being financially independent so you do what you want to do, but still be involved. Still find a way for this brain to work. When I was in the Marine Corps, and Marines would retire. Four or five years later, 10 years later, they die. You know why? Because they're no longer respected anymore as they used to be in the military. They don't have a next mission. They don't have another plan of attack. So their whole purpose in living is already gone. And they're only in their 40s and 50s. And they have very little to hope for because they're not recreating themselves. But if you recreate yourself, you find a way to take that retirement income, retirement money, and find a way to be useful and fruitful, bam, you're a new person. Uh, let's, let's go here into this next topic about being fruitful. Make sure you have fruitful relationships. Mm. So uh, here's, a, here's a number one thing. Let's go to uh, my screen. Here's a number one thing that destroys relationships. We were talking here earlier that uh, one of the things we take for granted as we get older is that we think that our friends and family are still going to be around. The reality is as we get older, sadly, life kicks in and sadly they pass away. You know, we just said, you know, God bless, uh, God bless him, but we had him on our call for, for our team on Sunday, Fred Terrace. Fred Terrace. Fred mother. Terrace's mother just passed away. We, we just, we, we just yeah. did an event. He just left his event on the West Coast and boarding the flight from their event, or, uh, 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 1,500 people at their event, everybody's pumped up, everybody's fired up for the year, right, ready to take on 2023, and he gets a text from his sister, hey, uh, we're trying to resuscitate mom, and he's got to catch a flight. Two connecting flights to get back to the East Coast. Whole entire flight, he didn't want to check his phone. Didn't want to check social media. 
So by the time you got to the East Coast, after six hours of flight, seven hours of flight and connecting flights, he found that sadly, his mother passed away. And the thing about Fred, I respect him so much, is that as though that is such a horrible thing to experience, you know what he and his office and his team still did, and his business still did? They crushed February numbers. Respect to him. Because he said, my mom is smiling at me from heaven right now. No excuses. So much respect for Fred and Christy Terrace and what they did in business, what that team did in North Carolina to still rally behind the cause. Because they knew that mom was smiling down from heaven mm. and the new legacy that is now Fred Terrace. He is now the leader. Of the, he has been the leader of the family. Now it's, it's a real thing for him that he's experiencing. But if you want real relationships to acquire new friends and business partnerships, here's the number one thing that destroys relationships. Uh, these uh, researchers studied couples for 50 years. Let's take a look at some of these things. Uh, four things. Contempt, criticism, defensiveness, and stall one. So let's break this down. What's contempt? Expressing a lack of respect for our partners. Name calling, eye rolling, and ridiculing. Criticism, attacking a partner's character. It's basically disrespect, right? Disrespecting right. somebody yeah. else. Defensiveness, protecting from criticism by using excuses or shifting blame. And number, one, and number four, many men are good at doing this, Stonewall, <laughs> which is withdrawing from your communication by ignoring and zoning out or acting busy or as uh, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, we just go back into our cave. In that book, uh, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, we just go back to our cave. So let's, 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 let's unpack this real quick. So if you, for example, Milton, you, you want to you wanna be married one day. God willing. God willing. God willing. You want to be married, right? So you want to be married one day? God willing. Amen. What's the most, what's the most, what's the biggest turnoff for you? If you're building that relationship, what's the biggest turnoff for you? I'll tell you mine. What's, what's the biggest turnoff for you? You get along in the relationship, you get past that infatuation phase, right? What's the biggest turnoff for you? Two things. Lack of respect, and sorry for my language, but if, some, if the girl's communication was her ass, if her communication levels are ass, that's one of the biggest turnoffs for me. I, I want to be able to. I want to be able to have someone along my side who is an effective speaker. An, an effective, uh, sorry, I apologize. An effective communicator. I think we can get we can get past multiple levels of uh, disagreements and uh, gray areas if we know how to communicate. And these are actually a couple of things that I that I've learned over the last couple of years working with a couple of my friends who. Uh, been to marriage counseling who've also worked amongst themselves because th these things I'm about to list out they don't only impact personal relationships romantic relationships but also business relationships yep. and I think we spoke about uh, one of them uh, last week and that's your five love languages and these are the three things that I think if you implement the correct way into any relationship that you have and you're mindful of it it's going to come out and be extremely fruitful for you so the first thing is your six human needs understanding the six reasons why people do what they do as people there's multiple uh, there's multiple like uh, branches of of these six reasons but there's only six exact reasons why people do what they do why they act the way they act why they think the way they think and that's your six human needs and the six human needs would be uh, certainty uncertainty a sense of significance uh, a sense of com uh, connection growth and contribution which then leads off to the five love languages, which we spoke about last week. Two guys on a podcast speaking about five love languages. <laughs> and it's uh, words of affirmation, physical touch, uh, quality time, gifts, and uh, acts of service. And the third thing is the three parts to effective communication, which is knowing how to send and knowing how to receive and knowing how to give feedback when you're in the middle of a conversation with your partner. And I think if you're able to if you're able to apply those into a romantic uh, relationship or even a uh, any type of personal relationship or even uh, business relationship, 
I think the the relationship will be able to blossom into something more beautiful because I feel that both parties will be under felt they will be felt hurt. they will feel like they're actually being heard and completely understood throughout the entire time that you guys are encountering whatever issue you guys may be encountering. It's interesting that you said it. Patrick had us read his book last month called Unreasonable Hospitality. Mm. It's about a guy who built the top restaurant in the world in New York. And, and he would honor his customers. He would respect his customers. He'd treat them as if they would never return again. And so the amount of loyalty that showing unreasonable hospitality, for example, uh, there's, a, uh, there's a, a part of the book there that uh, uh, he, the, 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 wait, the waiter would ask, where did you park? Or the host would ask, where'd you park? Oh, we parked there. Oh, and like, you know, that's not a good area to park. So what they would do, they go over there and they pump quarters into the meter to make sure they can stay another hour or two, right? And mm-hmm. so instead of the customer worrying about, I need to leave the restaurant to pump my meter full of quarters, guess what the restaurant did? They pumped the quarters for them. Wow. So in exchange, what did that one, two, three, four, five dollars do? What does the customer want to do? They want to keep coming back. Mm-hmm. So short-term loss, which is a couple of dollars of pumping into the parking meter, and then the client keeps coming back, or they tip more every time they come visit. And so, and they tell their friends that you need to come to this restaurant because they treat you like royalty. So yeah, relationships, you know, uh, uh, Sheena can tell me, babe, I love you, I love you, I love you. If, if, I, if she can tell me that, but if I don't feel that, or if I don't feel that she respects me more than she says, I, I love you, I don't really care if she says, you love me. Ooh, baby, oh, I love you, I love you. Yeah, really, stop, stop flattering me. Respect me and honor me. By the way, Sheena's very good at that. She says less about, Sheena's more action than telling, if you know, if you know anything about my wife. She'll, she'll say less, but she'll do more, which is what I love. And the other part of that, too, as well, if I feel in a relationship, if they lost the appreciation for the relationship, mm. you know, and, and I have to ask myself, too, as well, have I shown somewhere where I've lost appreciation in a relationship, and I need to make sure I continue to br- provide value to that relationship and building a team, building friendships, building partnerships. Even, even my parents, you know, I didn't, for a good portion of my adult life, I wasn't around my parents, I was in the military. I was, I was away. Now I have opportunity to hang with my parents, get to know my parents on a different level, make sure I honor them, make sure I respect them. Um, seeing them enjoy this phase of their life, it, it's, a, it's a crazy thing for me to, to, to see. And uh, my mother's always talking about her, what, food they have at the, at the community. They got this food, this food. And speaking of food, let's go on to the next topic. Um, this next topic here talks about the world will be overweight. So let's take a look at my screen here. Uh, Jordan, uh, oop, wrong one. Um, do I have that up oh, here? Um, I, thought I, I thought I had it up here. The, the obesity, let me, let me go to the link here. Uh, boom, Newsmax. All right. So the world is predicted to be overweight and obese by 2035. Um, the World Obesity Federation 2023 Atlas predicts that 51% of the world, or more than 4 billion people, will be obese or overweight for the next 12 years. Rates of obesity are rising particularly quickly around children and in lower-income countries. Describing the data as clear warning, uh, uh, said the policymakers need to act now to prevent the situation worse, worsening. Okay, let's stop right there. Milton, what's so wrong about being obese? What's outside of the <laughs> outside of the obvious? Outside of the, what's the obvious, the heart disease, the heart disease, diabetes, the increase of cancer, depression, of, anxiety. Lack of self-confidence, self-confidence et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And then that links to what? You uh, don't feel good about yourself. You don't look good. You don't think good. Your relationships are broken. Marriages are broken. If you're running a business, you're going to do really crappy in your business. 
when you do crap in your business, the people that are following you don't don't treat you nor respect you as a leader. When that doesn't happen, production drops. When that happens, what ends up happening to your business? It's a chain of events there. It's a chain of events. But what happens if I'm big boned? Of course. Big boned. There's no such thing as big boned. (laughs) Whoever came up with that crap is full of shit. There's no such thing as big boned. 1000%. I've heard that a lot in the last, what, 10 years of my life. But I can definitely take it through a series of things that you can do that will help you reduce the effects of what's happening in our society. Newsflash before he goes into the points. What did you look like when you were in high school? I was fat as shit. <laughs> I wish I had a picture of me up there, but I don't. I'm not going to show that picture. I've not seen a throwback Thursday or flashback Friday. You need to put that on your Instagram. You need to put, oh, you got it? I, not, not here. Uh, uh, listen, you need to see Milton Alvarez, man, in high, in high school. Proviso West High School representation, baby. Had a nice little C-cup breast going on. <laughs> it was nice. Um, so, <laughs> What's your points, brother? So here's the thing, a lot of people are, are <laughs> when people think about uh, about what's going on in, in America, even in the, in the world when it comes down to obesity and being overweight, a lot of people start pointing fingers at the government, like, oh, it's the government's fault, this is the reason why it's happening, we're so stressed out, uh, inflation's happening, food's getting a lot more expensive, we're, you know, we're stressed because of work, we can't afford this, we can't afford that. It's China's fault for creating TikTok. There's, there's so many excuses on why they cannot take ownership of their own bullshit. Mm-hmm. People do not want to take ownership, and they do not like the idea of being vulnerable and asking for help. But if you, if you pay attention to all the things that are keeping us in position of staying o- overweight or if not, aka obese, it all leads to cheap dopamine. And where does cheap dopamine come from? Social media, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Facebook, you know, uh, just being on your phone consistently, staying behind a screen, watching uh, The Office on Netflix for a count amount of hours, just watching shit on TV that you shouldn't be even watching because it's... it's, 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 it's it's uh, t- robbing, robbing you of your time. It's robbing you of things that you could be doing for your business, for your family, for your wife, for your kids, and also for your own physical health. So what does cheap uh, dopamine lead to? Or w- what is it linked to? It's linked to stress. People seek cheap dopamine when they're stressed out. What's dopamine, bro? Where does dopamine come from? Dopamine is an inter- it, 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 uh, it's a chemical that is provided within, it's, it's um, produced within your body that's released from your brain, goes through throughout your entire body. It's, um, it's a cheap high. It's a high. It's a, cheap it's, it's it's a, a natural high. high. It's basically a cheap high. Okay. So... Why or, people, or a natural high, should we say? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a high created by your body. By our body, okay. That you can get from physical activity, you can get from consensual sex, you can get from all these other things, right? But now, why does cheap dopamine happen? Why do people seek it? See, people seek it because they're stressed out. Where does stress come from? Stress can come from the foods that you eat, the environments that you're in, the jobs that you're in, because you're, you're low income, you're not making enough money, so now you're stressed out. So now, what ends up happening? You become an emotional leader. That could also lead, could be led from. Your childhood, if, if from your childhood you faced any type of trauma or you were bullied a lot or whatever the case may be, you're encountered, uh, you were in a, in a destructive household, that's going to make you, well, a lot of people into emotional leaders. So now you become an adult, any moment that's, any moment that you have, you have a subconscious moment of stress or uh, you revert back to some form of trauma, that's going to put you in a position of high stress, high cortisol levels. And then you're going to be linking that to emotional eating, which then leads to consuming foods. And what's a food or a source of food that leads to a, 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 a overindulgence and you get completely satisfied? It's sugar. Sugar, donuts, things of that nature. Anything that has high amounts of sugar is going to lead to you being to satisfying that dopamine rush. But here's the thing. We just can't have one, one, one uh, Chips Ahoy cookie, Matthew. We can't have two chips of hoy. Just one, 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 one box of we chips of hoy cookies. It takes a whole show. box. But then when you actually <laughs> sit there and process everything that you ate, now you feel like shit. Right, so and what ends up happening now when you're consuming cheap dopamine consistently, your 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 uh, your anxiety level start to increase. You start lacking sleep. 
you start feeling that the feeling of depression. I'm not saying you're falling into a depression, but you start feeling the feeling of depression. Now you're lacking energy, yeah. right? So everything that you do is linked to the daily activity. And the main things right now, especially in our youth, man, a lot of these kids back then, what, 20, 30 years ago, we didn't have iPads. We didn't have TikTok. We didn't have Vine. We didn't have Facebook. Mm. We didn't have Instagram to find validation and seek yep. this attention that we get now. Which we get a lot of cheap dopamine. Cheap dopamine. Back then, what, what were the kids doing? The only time you would, you end up going inside was when the lights went off and your mom called you inside. So, so, so in other words, likes and comments and engagement on your social media for some people is a dopamine hit. It's a dopamine hit, wow. especially for a lot of these Instagram models and uh, fitness influencers who cheat, uh, who, uh, cheat people out of their money online. Be careful with those kind of coaches. Yeah, by the way, I have only one Money Smart Guy account on Instagram. Boom. Don't follow any of the scammers. I have one. Yeah. Okay? The one with the lives, because it's me. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this dumb question. Why is it, though... As this data is, is sharing that more people in the lower income levels are increasing in their obesity. Because I'm thinking if I'm lower income, I've been lower income. Yeah. And um, you know what? I'm thinking about it right now. I was, when I was lower income, it was more about eating foods that made me feel full. That, that, uh, that wasn't nutritional. Mm -hmm. That, you know, for example, I'm from the Philippines. We eat a lot of rice. Mm -hmm. What's really the nutritional benefit of white rice? Tell me. Carbohydrates. Carbs, that's it. Carbs, carbohydrates. Starch? Starch. Here's the thing also. But it made you feel full. It made you feel full after a certain amount of time. And v Vietnamese POWs were given rice to make them feel full, yeah. even though there's very little. Carbohydrates, yeah. Carbohydrates, calories, energy. You need energy. Carbohydrates are energy. People who are out there doing the keto diets, people who are doing low-carb diets and avoiding carbohydrates, you need carbohydrates in your body to survive. Your brain, your body runs on carbohydrates. But in order to, ask, to, ask your question, to answer your question, we all have a window period that we're supposed to be eating by. Within the first 50, 20 minutes of, of you consuming food, that's when you're able, your stomach's starting to get, this, your digestive system's getting the signals that, hey, I'm starting to get full. The thing is, with a lot of kids, a lot of people either in the military, law enforcement, or high stressful jobs, some of their breaks are what, 25, 30 minutes? Mm -hmm. So what's the first thing you do? You, go, you get on lunch, you have to put it in a microwave or whatever the case may be, you go outside to one of those food trucks, now you have 10 minutes to eat left, and now you have to scarf all that food down in the military. Yep. Scarfing, scarfing all those uh, what are, MREs. Yeah, yeah. yeah scarfing those down. Or good for 20 years yeah. storage. Yeah, you scarf that down, so now you're eating, you're eating, you're eating, and if you eat all your food in for the first five, 10 minutes of, of, that, of that window, you're still, you're still hungry. And bro, we're, and after a few days of eating MREs, which stands for meals ready to eat mm -hmm. in the military, for days we'd be constipated. Yeah. We couldn't shit. I mean, all the stuff, whatever they put in there, we just couldn't, we couldn't do number two. Yeah. And so, um, right now, a lot of people are watching this live. We, we go live on Wednesdays yes. at noon. It's lunchtime. It's lunchtime. What's the ideal lunch? The ideal lunch? I, I'm an entrepathlete. I'm an I'm a athlete in business. I'm an entrepreneur, and I treat business like sport. What would be my ideal lunch? The number one source you should have in that meal is a protein source. I don't care if it's uh, any form of uh, white meat, dark meat, whatever the case may be. Some form of protein, something that's going to outsource everything chicken, else. Chicken, tofu, Ch steak. Uh, chicken, ground turkey, steak, salmon, cod, uh, tuna fillets, things of that nature. Things that have high amounts of protein and every other source, aka your fats and your carbohydrates, fall below that. Then the second source of the food consumption should be some form of green or vegetable. Okay. Whether it's cooked or a salad, whatever the case may be. The third thing falls into, that falls into the category is your carbohydrates, so you can have sustainable energy, whether you work out or not. Like today, we're going out at 6 p.m. Yeah, of course. Right now, during this time, will be a great time for you to have high protein source and some nice uh, vegetables in your diet, and especially with carbohydrates, so you can have you know fuel cool. for that workout. 
Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, you have a healthy lunch. And I've I've also seen that if I have a heavy lunch, I'm also lethargic in the afternoon because my right. So I'm not sharp on the phones. I'm not sharp in, in meetings. So because I'm busy digesting. So think about yeah. Think about it this way too. We have all this blood flowing through our entire bodies. And the moment that you consume a heavy meal that your body can't digest or it takes time for it to, for it to digest, like for example, red meat is one of them. Mm-hmm. Red meat is something that it takes time for your body to break down or certain foods that you consume, especially a lot of the pro- highly processed foods. I understand that foods in totality are processed, but there are some foods that are processed heavily. And now when you scarf down a bunch of food because you're emotionally eating, you're just stressed out or you're short on time, or the fact that you're eating so fast, it's been 10 minutes and you still... Are, you still have that wind, like about five, 10 minute window that your body hasn't sent the signals through your, through, to your stomach yet. So you're still hungry and now you scarfed down more food. Now you have room for dessert. But now after you don't eat dessert, that window has come, has, uh, come to pass and now you're extremely full. So what ends up happening is all that blood that should be flowing to your brain now starts flowing to your stomach. So that way it assists in digestion. So what ends up happening when all that blood starts flowing to your, to your stomach, you start lacking blood in every other area, which is why those food nets Food naps end up happening after big consumption of food. And you're lethargic, and, you're lethargic. and you, you have brain fog and all that Hard stuff. to process. Gotcha. Hard to think. Yep. By the way, before we continue, uh, let's give a quick shout out to Miriam Rivera. She says she had a fruit veggie smoothie this morning. Hell yeah. She doesn't feel hungry right now. Good, good for you, Miriam. That's TT. She always uh, comments on, on, on Jordan. Appreciate you, Miriam Rivera. Uh, Emiliano Rivera, apparently he knows you. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> we, I think we went to high school together. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Natalie Rodriguez, shout out to you. Appreciate you joining us on the live Legacy Wealth Crusade, appreciate you for joining us here live on the podcast too as well. Uh, let's get into this new invention, the new patent by Ford for self-driving cars. Let's check this out on the screen. Ford's latest patent application shows a bizarre way that cars could be repossessed. Not to make your life better, but how to make their lives better, so therefore they don't have to hire repo men. So owners don't, if the owners don't make their payments on time. So a patent application first reported by the drive was filed in August 2021, but wasn't published until last week, shows that Ford is interested in building a system that will allow a car to lock out the driver and even repossess itself, basically drive itself back to the, to the, uh, the, the car impound if the driver doesn't keep up with payments. How do you, so let's just stop there, man. How do you feel about big corporations, car makers now? This is where AI and self-driving, this is where 6G is going to start making itself a reality into our personal financial lives. How do you feel about people skipping on the car payments and next thing they don't have a car for transportation to work? Because they're locked out. Locked out. You know what? I actually feel for the people who, if, if this actually comes to pass and it becomes a thing, I actually feel for the people who would be affected by this. Because it actually happened to me maybe about three or four times in my early 20s where I couldn't pay my car payments and I had to pay them. I had to pay the, uh, the, uh, the fees in yeah. order to make them. And in order for me to make those car payments, I needed to go to work and actually get paid because I was working an hour-to-hour job. So that's really heavy. But at the same time, man, I feel like if you're able to have a different perception of it, I think it's going to light a fire under your ass to actually do something with yourself and actually create some more money elsewhere. If they're going to do that, I think they need to create levels to it, right? So if you're you're behind like, you know, a month, they cut off your air conditioning. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that a thing? Uh, Isn't that actually happening? I saw an article on that. Is it? Yeah, they're actually putting off. Or they uh, they, uh, uh, don't allow you to put all the gas, if you, like, if you can afford to pay for gas, you can afford to have your car payment. Mm. Like you have to have, redirect the money for gas into the back, back payments that you want to car payment. It'd be interesting what, how, how this will innovate. By the way, how do you feel about this? Ford's now introducing technology to repo your car if you miss car payments. Put it in the comment section below. All right, so we got some videos here we want to react to. So uh, Jordan, what's the first one, man? We got some videos here from... Uh, 
I think this young lady decided to go on a date. So, oh, I'm sorry. It's uh, which, which one is it? Longevity. Oh, oh Longevity. Okay, exercise. Okay, let's let's uh, let's 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 play this uh, let's play this video. I think exercise is the single most important longevity drug we have, bar none. Mm. Like if you if you were if you said like I want to go deep down the rabbit hole of living longer, what do I need to do? It's it's like a super well crafted exercise program that is geared towards strength, muscle mass, and cardiorespiratory fitness. So, and the data are unbelievable, right? So if you everybody knows that if you smoke or have diabetes, your risk of death goes up a lot, but your risk of death from having high cardiorespiratory fitness goes down by much more than your risk of death goes up from smoking your diabetes. Mm. Wow, stop so right there. Smoking and diabetes. So in other words, it's worse work. not to work out than to actually smoke? Smoke. Wow. I'm sure you're happy about that one, aren't you? <laughs> I'm sure you're happy about <laughs> that one, aren't you? Well, he said cigarettes. I didn't say anything about smoking cigars. I smoke yeah. cigars. What's your thoughts on that before we go to the next one? Uh, no, I agree. Uh, Working out actually reduces the risk of death by as much as 21%. And if you're actually able to get a certain amount of uh, hours a week of an actual decent workout that's in between the moderate and vigorous, you're actually lowering the risk by a whopping 31%. So I think aside from bettering your mood, increasing your sleep, getting getting better appetite and just overall feeling better, I think the, the idea of my likelihood of Living longer by 31% is something that I generally want because I actually enjoy life. I, I can't tell how yeah. freeing and mentally therapeutic going to the gym is. Yeah. Especially, you know, I'm going to the gym with you, and I, I'm getting a workout on. And that's the, what I tell you. That's the only hour of the day that I don't have to make decisions. And that's the only hour of the day that he gets a man to dig deep into his, <laughs> into his ass and into his hips. His elbow. We talk about his elbow. <laughs> I'm talking about his elbow. Just make sure we clarify with this disclaimer. But seriously, I mean... I'll ask you, bro, what are we doing? Yeah. And then I just have to make, the only decision I got to make is suck it up and, do you know, it. You, by the way, my legs today, you had me do lunges the other day with weights. I'm like, gosh, I can barely keep my balance. But I made the decision, do it. Yeah. Or not do it. If that, so uh, this next video here is about sleep. Let's take a look at how important sleep is and something you always keep giving me a hard time about. Done, done, done. We could function on six hours a night of sleep. Eight hours is ideal. The difference in muscle gain and fat loss and hormones between six and eight is massive. It's not a small difference. It's a huge difference. And just to illustrate how important sleep is, if evolution through millions of years couldn't figure out how to get rid of sleep, because if you think about it, needing to sleep every single night where you're vulnerable, you don't hear predators, you're not out hunting, you're not building a shelter, you're not doing things you know that are quote unquote productive or helpful, evolution would have figured out a way around sleep, but it didn't. That just goes to show you how necessary sleep is for our bodies and for our, yeah. our, our living. Okay, good. I have no comment. You don't, <laughs> you 1000% don't have a fucking comment, Matthew. So check this out. Here's the thing, and this is gonna attack every single entrepreneur that's watching this video, including you, Mr. Matsapala. Only one to 2% of our population worldwide have a sleep disorder called, they are considered short sleepers. People who can actually get away with about four to five hours of sleep every night. One to 2% of the population have that sleep disorder. Which means what? 98 to 99% of our population needs 7.5 to 8.5 hours of sleep every single night to be able to function. What does sleep affect? And this goes back to the whole concept of being, becoming obese, becoming a successful, and, a successful entrepreneur and also a parent, 
a husband, and every other aspect of your life. Lower, uh, low sleep affects what? Your appetite, increased your appetite, which then ends up to what? High stress levels, cheap dopamine, eating more, gaining weight, feeling like shit, looking like shit, running a business like shit, treating your family like shit, treating yourself like shit. Linkage. Number two, it ages your skin. You look a lot older on camera. Like right now, I'm looking at myself on the screen and I look like shit. So I haven't slept really well in these last really? couple of days. So I look, I look really, really beat up. I need some skincare women on this uh, podcast to send some recommendations. Hey, hey uh, camera on me, please. I got four hours of sleep last night. How do I look? Those uh, Rico Suave shades. Right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's, it's the glass that tint as the light comes in, the UV rays come in. Jeez. But listen, I, I, I got to say though, I get about, if I get five hours of sleep a night, that's like pushing it for me. Pushing it? It's pushing it. And it's like, I, well, I, I mean, and I feel, I feel great. I, 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 maybe I get away with it. Well, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you three. Th- I'm actually looking at four things that could, that, okay. that kind of like. Uh, By the way, you're watching to you. this. How much sleep do you guys get put in the comment section? I'm curious. All right. So the next couple of things are going to that's that low sleep is going to affect is it impairs your memory and your memory retention. How often do you does someone tell you something and you end up forgetting it? Not you, but people who are watching this. The second thing, it affects your mood. You're on edge a lot more. People trigger you a lot faster. You get pissed off. You're more on on that uh, on edge consistently. And one of the final things, one of the final things, aside from attention span, is, is it weakens your immune system. For people Ooh. watching this, how often do you actually get do you get sick? How how often do you get sick? You get over it, and then days later or weeks later, you're sick once again. Yep. That's, that's one of the biggest things, man. So listen, I, I this is an area I need to improve myself. So I'll. I'm, I'm working myself up to six hours of sleep a night, so I'm, get, I'm getting there, man. <laughs> you definitely improved. I got stuff to do. I got stuff to do. All right, uh, next one here. Uh, let's, let's go over, uh, speaking of sleep, I don't know how you sleep if you've got to go on dates like this. This uh, young lady here went on a journey of dates in New York City, a 28-day dating challenge, and she disclosed what these dates were and what it actually cost. Uh, Jordan, let's play a couple of these. you got 28 of them. We, let's, play, let's, play, uh, let's play three of them. Date one of 28. We went to Vince Vin in the East Village. It's a French wine bar and it was super cozy and dimly lit, perfect for a date. I met the guy on Hinge. He's a 37 year old genius who works for a hedge fund. Seriously, he went to MIT. 37 year old men in New York City are intense because they're all looking for wifey, which I love. We had a deep conversation for three hours. He brought me home in a cab. He didn't try to kiss me, which I love. Asked for my number and said he wants to see me again. Yay. Okay, that looked expensive. Okay. This date 13 of 28 and my third date with the advertising guy. Dinner at Chicon went well and we wanted to see each other a few days later. He took me for dinner at Locanda Verde in Tribeca. I had an amazing seafood pasta and he got the ravioli. He also split the tiramisu I highly recommend. He's a little bit more quiet and introverted and I learned that he used to be a professional athlete. Apparently it was on his Bumble profile but I had no clue. He booked us a table at Django. Never been to a jazz show before and I loved it. This guy's more of a slow burn and I feel like I'm slowly getting to know him better and better. I invited him to game night the next night and he said, yeah. Okay. Still looks expensive. This dates 23 through 26. Partnered with a virtual speed dating app called Ditto. It was so nice to avoid the commute and just eat some healthy snacks at home with Archie while still putting myself out there and meeting people. I met four different men. All were super nice, but I only hit it off with one. He's a 31-year-old firefighter and real estate agent. I've never dated a firefighter before and I was so excited. This was my first time speed dating and I really liked it. Definitely check out Ditto. They have live speed dating events every Tuesday in New York city at 8 p.m. where you can meet 10 singles back to back for four minutes each and it's all virtual 
Okay, well, first of all, New York's a very expensive place to live. Um, according to her, her, um, her captions, uh, dinner at Cosman Cocktails at Seville, hedge fund guy paid $600, drinks at the Beekman Hotel, advertising guy spent 180 bucks. lattes in a meat packing district, real estate guy laid off $15 for a cup of coffee. Um, the dates and the price tag ran, uh, uh, basically one guy splashed out more than $1,000 over six dates. So you're talking about spending $30,000 a year on food. Imagine how much more you would add on that, Mr. Single Guy, if you went to date not just one woman, but multiple women. So listen, if you want to run game, hey, knock yourself out. I think it's freaking fairly expensive. I know because that, that was my former life before I decided to get my head out of you know what and get married. Find one woman, one wife, and direct all that to equity in our relationship, equity in our marriage, equity in our business, equity in our home, equity in our portfolio. Because when I was running game, baby, I had three, four, five conversations. I wasn't getting a lot of sleep, so I forget a lot of stuff. <laughs> and I spent a lot of money. And the worst part about it, you're, you're out there running game, you actually call the wrong girl the wrong name, the right girl the wrong name. That's tough. Whoo, because you got to remember stuff. So That's tough. Your thoughts on that? Well, you're talking about love and running game. I'm, I'm out here drawing hearts <laughs> on my notepad. I don't know why the fuck that's happening. Damn. Well, I, <laughs> having one girl is definitely a, a lot, uh, a financial decision that, that you can make that will be definitely a lot smarter and wiser from, from my end to you. Uh, but damn, man, you know, it's, it's, I feel like it's so much easier for women when it comes down to the dating game. And so much, she looks like she was having a blast. And she didn't pay for shit. Yeah. I don't think she paid for anything. If I'm on the other end of that, how much am I wasting every single month just trying to take one girl out on a weekly basis? But here's the thing, too. I, I think, I think I don't know. I mean, it really depends on where you are in, in, in your uh, confidence levels, your, where you're at mentally as a man. I feel like if you are genuinely looking for something more, something more, something greater for your actual longevity of the future, well, the, the, you know, long, the long haul of the future, you're looking for, you're, you start looking for certain qualities. Now, if you're a guy who makes decent money, and you're just looking for something short term and just having a great time that one night, I think, just spending a couple hundred dollars, a couple hundred dollars, or maybe some, you know, if you have a good amount of money, a couple thousands that night, just so that way she can give it up yep. late evening. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, the average American, another survey found that the average American spends over the course of dating in their lifetime $121,000 on dating. On dating? On dating. Yeah. The average American spends $121,000 during the course of their lifetime on dating. Yeah, don't ask me how much I spend, bro. It's, uh, it's a lot more than that. <laughs> it's I'm a saying, lot more than that. I'm minding my own business going to church, man. I'll find yeah, a girl there. Hey, man, hallelujah. At least that, uh, the dating, uh, Jesus in the middle of that date, <laughs> right? Jesus take the wheel, Jesus be on that date. So, by the way, what's, when you were dating or if you are dating, what are you spending? And who should pay? By the way, uh, uh, sitting down with some Chinese friends of mine, you know what they said in the Chinese culture? Now, for those of you who are Chinese or watching this, correct me if I'm wrong or the, the, I'm just passing on information. He says, in our culture in China, it's Dutch. I pay, she pays. There's none of this guy pays for everything type stuff. So with inflation going on, cause of things going on, people not making enough money, do you think the woman should pay? You think this woman that we just watched, you think she should pay for the dates? I'm sure and she paid. if you're a guy, how do you feel about a woman paying for food and paying for a date? I don't know. I, I just feel kind of off-put by that. If, if, if I let her Is that pay, your ego, though? Or, or what, do you, what do you think it is? Because, listen, it's me as a provider, a protector. You know, I'm, 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 listen, if I can't afford to take, that's me. If I can't afford to take care of you, I can't afford to protect you, I can't show you the, my very best, imagine what it's like for the rest of my, your life with me. But that's for your wife. 
not to some random girl you met on Hinge or Bumble. True. You know or what? in your situation, Grinder. <laughs> because for me, uh, when I was dating Sheena, it was dating to marry. Boom. Yeah. But if I, if, I didn't, if, I, if I had one outcome, if I had one outcome, you're right. I'd be uh, trying to find a way to get out of having to pay. Pay the whole entire thing. Yeah, she paying, no problem. She's probably, she's probably going to do something else to me too as well. Later on. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's the ladies are letting you know what, how guys think about this stuff. Maybe, maybe it'll help you out, help you avoid the wrong dating relationship too as well. Oh. So uh, let's, go, let's go to the last one, Jordan, about the, uh, about the sentences of personal finance that will save you more than an $80,000 business degree. We'll wrap up with this. Let's take a look at uh, I think it's the other one. The guy's in the car. Yeah, the guy's in the car. Yeah, there, there it is. Cool. These 12 sentences about personal finance taught me more than my $80,000 business degree. And number 12 is the most important one. Like it or not, who you choose as your spouse is a financial decision as well as an emotional one. Choose wisely. Prioritize having a three-month emergency fund. Unexpected expenses will arise. Don't get caught with your pants down. After the emergency fund, prioritize paying off high interest debt. You're not going to out-invest a 20% interest rate that you have on a credit card. Have a budget. A good basic framework is 50% needs, 30% like wants, 20% savings and investments. Invest your money. You will work until you die if you don't. Mm. Low-cost index funds are a good way to do this. If you borrow money for college, make sure it's for a high-paying career path so you're at least able to pay the loan back. Prioritize your health. Exercise. Uh, let's, let's stop right there, quick, eat healthy. Right there, so uh, I think people today are getting tipped off to the fact that it may not be worth it to go to college. I got three older kids, 27-year-old, twins that are 21, none went to college. All having great lives right now. All got the careers, all got the things going on, expanding, growing, but they don't have the burden of student loan debt. They got a job, everybody's gainfully employed, doing their thing, paying their rent, living their life. None of my older kids have student loan debt, they didn't go to college. They weren't gonna be engineers. They weren't gonna be scientists. They weren't gonna be, you know, I was asked, what do you want, what do you want to get your degree in? Oh, in dance, go work, for, <laughs> go intern at a dance company. Yeah. You don't gotta go to college for it. Yeah. Go, you know, you gotta pay $50,000 a year to learn how to dance. You know how to dance, just go intern at a dance company. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, health. Uh, I think if you take care of yourself, right, Milton? If you take care of yourself, you, you what's it, uh, I, what's, what's, what's that saying? An ounce of prevention is more than a pound of cure. Mm. That's taking care of your health. Yeah. Let's, let's continue with the, uh, the rest of the tips. A healthy person has a million wishes. A sick person only has one. Saving $5 on coffee isn't going to make you rich. Saving money on bigger decisions, the ones that end in zeros, like your home or your vehicle, mm. will go much further. Live below your means. 64% of people live paycheck to paycheck, but you don't have to be one of them. Learn from the ones that did it before you. Read books, listen to podcasts, more learning, less Netflix. Automate your finances, bills, savings, investments. This one. is gonna make your life a lot easier. Finally, trying to get rich quickly is how a lot of people end up broke. You know, avoid get rich quick, but you have to invest. The last one, to avoid get rich quick schemes. If your premise to get involved in something is to get rich quick, 100% agree with that. Yeah. But you got to invest in conferences. You got to invest in courses. You got to invest in knowledge products that's going to improve your way of thinking, to expand your vision. You got to you got associate with the right people, and that takes an investment. So, oftentimes people think that going to conferences is get rich quick seems. It's not get get rich quick. It's you investing in you. Yeah. And so, uh, did any of those uh, tips there resonate with you? Uh, well, the last one. The, uh, the, right now, you're speaking about conferences. Here's the thing: I think a lot of people nowadays are trying to be gurus. Everyone's trying to create their own conference, or online conference, in-person conference, and people who are vulnerable and want to gain knowledge and who want to figure out a new way for themselves and their family, they're starting to invest into people that really don't know how to do it. 
but knowing how to, I mean, let me ask you, how do you choose a credible conference? How do you know, all right, this is a conference that's going to benefit me truly to the full extent of my, of my investment? I want to know that the conference I'm going to is hosted by somebody that's been there, done that, and has a track record of mm-hmm. being it. Because I, I, I remember seeing this Facebook ad of this guy that I knew that just got involved in the insurance industry a couple years ago, and now he's saying that I've been in insurance for 10 years. Like, what are you talking about? I, I knew when you got your insurance license. So a lot of people are, there's a lot of fake money, fake gurus out there. So you want to ask, how long have you been doing what you're doing? What's your track record of success? Because you, your success should be evident by the fruit that you produce through multiple seasons of your life. Mm. So I don't like trusting conferences of people that are there to make money on the conferences and the products they sell at the conference. So for me, the purpose of a conference, for example, if we're going to put together a, uh, we're going to put together a Cigars, Wealth, and Whiskey event here in Dallas, and it's going to be anywhere between 75 and 150 bucks, but you get a cigar, you get, you get a glass of whiskey, but you, get network, you network with a bunch of people. So that's access to a bunch of people getting together. Mm-hmm. And all that money is going to pay for the venue. So I get benefits from the relationships that's created from the conference, not the actual conference itself. So every time we put together a conference, we went to Orlando, we rented out the Orlando Convention Center. We got a conference in Vegas, we rented out the entire MGM Grand Arena in August. None of that money is for us to pocket and profit. It's to invest back into our people, so therefore they can, ex- they can be exposed to a higher level of thinking, exposed to the right people, setting the right examples, and have the pattern of success over an extended period of time. If they make their money by selling courses, for example, in Chicago, these guys, hey, get involved in real estate, get involved in real estate, get, 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 buy my real estate course, 30,000, 20,000, 30,000 for a real estate course. I ask them one question, how much of the investing of the course that you're, you're selling have you actually done yourself? How many short sales have you done? How many wholesale contracts have you done? How many uh, um, buy and hold properties have you acquired? None, so he's making money, how? Just selling the course. So do you make your money by actually doing what your content is showing or are you making money to selling the courses and your content? Mm. I avoid those that are just making money and selling courses, content, and conferences as a way for them to profit from education. If that's you, knock yourself out. But I don't find a lot of influence and credibility with those type of folks. Yeah. If you're making money and you show me you're making money and you have a mastermind with you, you unpack it, you're transparent with me, you're authentic. And for example, when, when Patrick holds the vault, there's not, not very many, from, many people from PHP are there. Only a very few people because yeah. he also pointed to us in the crowd because we're fruit from his labor of building PHP and now the Vault Valley Attainment. Yeah. That's why we're there. If PHP wants to attend, he says, no, I'm not making money off PHP. I'm not, you, I'm, you're already in my company. I'm not making money off PHP Associates coming here to the Vault, making, you know, uh, paying $500, $1,000, $10,000 for the ticket. No, no, no. I'm refunding you back your money. Yeah. You know, for example, this podcast. Uh, we don't have any sponsors on this podcast. My Seven Fear Squad YouTube channel. We have 290,000 subscribers on my Seven Fear Squad YouTube channel. I don't have one sponsor yet. You know why? Because I don't need sponsorship dollars. I'm making money from my business. I'm making money already from my current career in, in, in 24 years of being an entrepreneur. I don't need make, to make money from conference. Now, people ask, hey, Matt, can we host a conference? Yeah, I think when we get to a million subs, mm. we'll, we'll host a conference of faith and uh, finance and entrepreneurship uh, type conference, and I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that. But when I do that, guess what's going to happen? All that money is going to be going back into the event. I'm Smart. not profiting anything. I'm profiting from the relationships that are created from the event. Biggest investments to yourself and to your business. For sure. So that being said, uh, what are your thoughts? Who do you listen to online? Who do you not listen to online? Who do you get credibility with? No credibility with. So we want to know from you. And at the same time, what type of topics... Would you like for us to react to too as well? What type of uh, uh, trending uh, news is out there right now that you love our insight on? Because this is a YouTube channel and a podcast dedicated to help you think like a millionaire, strategize like a millionaire, 
So therefore, one day, soon, you will become a first-generation cash flow millionaire. If that's you, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, hit that like button, and drop your comments. You like what we talked about, you don't like what we talked about, questions, you agree with us, you don't agree with us, please put it in the comment section below. As you can see, we're responding to you. With that being said, Milton, another great podcast here, episode six. Appreciate you, big dog. And we'll see you guys next Wednesday. And by the way, tomorrow, I'm doing an interview right back here tomorrow, Thursday, 12 o'clock, with former Navy SEAL, Pastor Garrett Unklebach. He wrote a book here. He's running a men's ministry out here. Has faith. He's got family, finance, entrepreneurship. We're going to have that conversation tomorrow, 12 o'clock noon, right here, back on the Seven Fair Squad YouTube channel and the Millionaire Goals Podcast YouTube channel. That being said, on behalf of my co-host, Milton Alvarez, appreciate you, big dog. My man. Till we meet again, continue to live smart, continue to love smart, and be money smart today. Amen. God bless you guys. See you next week.